Good afternoon, everybody, and apologies for the delay. Uh, London traffic um, held the, our guest up. Uh, I'm Mark Hoffman. I'm the deputy head of department, uh, deputy head of department, Department of National Relations, and it's a, a privilege to welcome you all here to this uh, afternoon event. Um, many of you <clears throat> will be aware that there's uh, an important election taking place in the United States. Uh, later in the year that will have significant uh, implications and consequences for world peace and security in terms of who gets elected. Um, You'll also be aware that there's an important referendum taking place uh, here in the UK on the 23rd, uh, and the implications of that may also have huge uh, consequences for um, international relations. Um, What a lot of people in the public don't know, but you obviously do, is that there's also an important election taking place later this year um, in appointing the successor to Ban Ki-moon as Secretary General of the UN in the 70th uh, anniversary year uh, of uh, the UN itself. Uh, in previous uh, years, uh, the appointment of the SG uh, was a very, very opaque process. Uh, it was um, largely done uh, through backroom deals between the P5 and some other countries within the UN. Um, this time, the process is very, very different. <clears throat> uh, as a result of campaigns by organizations like One in Seven Billion, a uh, number of other NGOs, uh, uh, national UN associations, uh, various member states, uh, this time the process is actually going to be reasonably transparent, or as transparent as the process can be. Uh, and for the first time, uh, uh, individuals are being put forward uh, in a public process. Uh, their CVs are on a public platform sponsored by the UN. Uh, there are now eight candidates uh, for the post, public um, uh, candidates, uh, four of whom are women, which is important in terms of uh, the potential uh, um, appointment this time around. Uh, and um, as a result of that, uh, the various candidates are um, out on the hustings, as it were. Um, there's a, a big uh, event taking place here in London, one in New York, in which uh, a number of the candidates will be speaking, uh, and others are going around doing um, individual talks, such as this. Uh, and it's a really uh, great uh, honor and privilege uh, for us today to have the Moldovan uh, nominee, uh, Natalia Gammon, uh, who is going to be speaking to us. Um, <clears throat> Natalia uh, did her undergraduate degree at the Moldovan State University, uh, she did a master's in war studies across the street at King's, but we won't hold that against her in terms of public talk today. Um, uh, she joined the Moldovan Diplomatic Course uh, Service at the tender age of 22. Uh, at the age of 25, she was deputy head of mission to the UN agencies in the OSCE in Vienna. She then was deputy head of European security in the Moldovan Ministry of Foreign Affairs and then deputy head of the Moldovan mission to NATO in Brussels. She then served as the Moldovan ambassador to Austria and the permanent representative to the OSCE between 2002-2006. She was then the Moldovan ambassador to Sweden, Norway, and Finland from 2006 to 2009 and received uh, the Order of the Polish Star from Sweden for her services to Swedish-Moldovan relations. She then was Deputy Foreign Minister from 2009 to 2013, and then Minister of Foreign Affairs and Deputy Prime Minister from 2013 to January 2016, and including in that period of time, uh, served a two-month period as Acting Prime Minister of Moldova. Uh, In 2014, The Guardian listed her as one of seven women to watch in global politics, leading to change in the world. Not a bad set of credentials to put on the table in terms of running for the SG, and one that would make it difficult for people like Donald Trump to say she was simply playing the women card. 
So, uh, it is a really, really great pleasure to uh, invite her to speak today. Um, she's going to speak for about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and then we'll have some question and answer. Uh, her topic is a changing world in the U, uh, UN in progress. Uh, for those of you who are twittering, uh, the hashtag recommended is hash LSE UN. So, without further ado, let me invite Natalia to speak. Thank you very much. So, many, many thanks for thanks. a generous presentation. Good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for the invitation and for the generous uh, presentation. It's a pleasure to be back in London for me and a pleasure to be back uh, uh, to the LSE. And uh, the first uh, thing I said when I entered the building uh, to Mr. Director is, do you know that I'm a graduate of King's? And I said, yes, of course, and so please don't kill me. <laughs> but it was uh, it was great uh, um, honor for me to be invited to LSE all the time when I was a postgraduate student at King's, and I remember a series of seminars that LSE was uh, organizing on uh, European security and uh, on uh, Eastern uh, European countries. And among other things, I was invited here to speak uh, on the Transnistrian conflict in the Republic of uh, Moldova. And indeed, I was uh, very grateful uh, for LSE uh, to uh, organize uh, such thematic events. And uh, for me, of course, uh, being a candidate uh, from the Republic of Moldova for the position of the UN Secretary General is a huge uh, honor. And I think uh, we owe uh, these opportunities uh, to all of us, the broader membership of the United Nations, because uh, the General Assembly of the organization adopted a very famous uh, resolution uh, in September last year uh, that was on the revitalization of the work of the General Assembly, and it included, among other things, uh, absolutely new features for the selection process of the new Secretary General of the organization. And the new features uh, that uh, we are referring to are transparency and inclusiveness. And that indeed happens for the very first time uh, since the creation of the organization. There was another important element uh, motivating me to enter the race, and that was uh, encouragement for female candidates uh, to be nominated uh, by the United Nations member states. And there was also a reference to a fair geographical representation. And in practical terms, uh, it means that it might as well be an Eastern European who might succeed uh, uh, the current Secretary General to lead the organization this time. So it's very simple. If you combine uh, all those new elements, uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, the chances are very good for an Eastern European woman this time. So this is why I decided to join the race, as simple as that. And the process for me so far has been extraordinarily rewarding, both professionally and personally. And even if it is uh, a very intense race and competition, I'm standing uh, in front of you here, that's uh, the end of my third week of permanent uh, travel, New York, Washington DC, and now London. I feel very privileged to be able to send my message across, to share with you my vision, my ideas uh, uh, on the agenda of the United Nations, and very importantly, interact with you 
in a mutually enriching exchange because I never forget to ask my audiences what are your expectations from the next Secretary General and what do you think might be improved in the activity of the United Nations so uh, that it is adequate in a changing world and it does deliver uh, better and more efficiently to the citizens of the world on all important uh, objectives of our commonly agreed agenda. And if we look into that agenda, I think the job of the next Secretary General will be extraordinary, challenging and demanding. Unfortunately, our world has not become uh, a safer or more secure place, even at the end of the Cold War, and all of us were expecting um, the dividends for peace and uh, security to ultimately prevail in the world. It did not happen. The emergence of new actors and the scourge of international terrorism and violent extremism, these are the new features that completely defy the commonly agreed and accepted definitions of war and uh, conflicts. Uh, and uh, that menace spares no one, no country, no continent, no human being, completely defies the very basis of the civilization and humanity principles which we hold dear. And therefore, the response has to be global as well. And I uh, do prioritize the uh, traditional field of uh, international peace and security because it is uh, obviously very natural because I do come from Eastern Europe and my country, unfortunately, still hosts uh, the unresolved or, as they say, protracted uh, conflict with all ingredients. Uh, with um, uh, the ceasefire agreement in place, peacekeeping arrangement, uh, the um, uh, conflict settlement efforts in an established uh, format, confidence and security building measures, the situation uh, in the region I come from continues to be very challenging and you know what happens in and around our neighbor Ukraine, for example. And uh, uh, it is also about uh, my education, because uh, uh, as, um, uh, uh, as was referred to, my master's is in war studies. So uh, I think that we, we will have to focus uh, uh, together on uh, how do we combine uh, and collect this willingness and the commitment for uh, joint action in order to face um, uh, global risks and challenges, both traditional and new ones. And here I would um, uh, prioritize the culture of prevention because the Secretary General has a lot of tools and instruments at hers or his disposal, uh, such as early warning, uh, uh, such as the fact-finding missions uh, that could be dispatched when the first signs of the deterioration of a situation in a country or region become apparent. Uh, good offices, the traditional mediation facilities of the Secretary-General and um, the Secretary-General's uh, team. These are very important elements that should be applied as often as possible in order to, uh, uh, to, to prevent the conflicts uh, from growing or spilling over. And uh, having said that, I would, uh, uh, of course, mention first and foremost that whatever we do, whatever we contemplate, we do place civilian, civilian population at the center of all our activities. And uh, I also mentioned in my vision statement uh, that responsibility to protect civilians is uh, a very important principle and should stay at the core of the activities of the organization, even if it is a UN official policy after the summit in 2005 
we, we still do not agree, all of us, uh, the broader membership, unfortunately, on the ways to implement it in practical terms. And this is how we are still uh, debating about the uh, elements of R2P, responsibility to protect. <coughs> and so uh, the peacekeeping activity, the traditional one by the United Nations, would be at the core of analytical and practical work to improve the United Nations. Uh, we are all absolutely sad uh, about uh, continuous uh, occurrence of uh, unacceptable cases of abuse uh, by military or civilian UN personnel perpetrated towards civilians, so defying the very mission they were deployed on the ground to protect civilians uh, in an armed conflict. Uh, and uh, the zero-tolerance policy has to be categorically applied towards such cases. And uh, the prosecution of the perpetrators of such acts uh, has to go uh, as quick as possible in the member states themselves. And the member states should take even more responsibility before uh, deploying contingents that the proper training is ensured and uh, human rights uh, diligence in the training of the um, uh, contingents um, is taking place. Uh, but then, of course, we will have to make sure that the element uh, that would provide for sustainable peace uh, once the peace uh, operation is deployed and withdrawn is uh, uh, intrinsically present at the moment we design the very mandate of a peace uh, operation. And there are many more ideas that I have uh, in this particular very important um, area. If, if you would like to ask me afterwards, I will be happy to share uh, my ideas on that. But I continuously think that uh, the uh, terrorism will be uh, a very important challenge for all of us. And we have to look into the root causes of terrorism, uh, which is a very important part of curbing this phenomenon, and uh, uh, the issue of financing of terrorism uh, uh, as well once we are putting together our common response. Uh, the um, challenge of um, illicit drugs, unfortunately very uh, relevant for the part of the world I come from, remains to be high on the agenda of the organization. Together with that goes human trafficking and uh, international organized crime, which is uh, uh, in turn related to the issue of financing of uh, terrorism very often. And uh, United Nations is, of course, uniquely placed uh, to be at the service of the member states in uh, dealing with the phenomena by common effort, but at the same time take the lead at the global level and then make sure that that lead and that strategy uh, in a very coherent and logical way is transcended to the regional and local level as well. And here I very much uh, uh, value the input that the regional organizations under Chapter 8 of the Charter of the United Nations are already playing, and uh, uh, UN will, can do much better in making sure that there is a coherent interaction between the United Nations and all the regional arrangements, funds, programs, agencies, without fragmentation and without duplication, and that everybody knows uh, uh, what, what sort of mission is designed for that particular um, player uh, or actor. And uh, uh, it is done in a complementary, mutually reinforcing uh, way. And uh, uh, you all 
I'm sure are well aware that uh, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development uh, was one of the major achievements of um, the humankind, and we all adopted uh, uh, that ambitious plan of action in the development field last year. Implementation will be very much uh, the task in terms of organization of the global effort, I mean, of the next Secretary-General and uh, all the humanitarian and development wings of the organization. And uh, the first five years of the mandate of the next SG will be crucial in terms of setting the fundamentals right and trying to move on implementing of the whole agenda, not cherry-picking from those uh, 17 sustainable development goals and targets, but trying to advance in a holistic way on the whole of the agenda. And I personally believe that that would require the change of the mindset. Mindset with all of us, citizens around the world, understanding that we have no right to fail, we have no right to delay, we just have to define the issues in the same way and start implementing uh, the goals. Here I also prioritize the concept of solidarity. For us Eastern Europeans, solidarity has a very special meaning and a very special connotations because after the end of the Cold War, uh, the solidarity concept triggered revolutionary transformations in Central and Eastern European countries and um, (coughs) practically made us who we are today, uh, young democracies uh, building on uh, democratic institutions, market economy, human rights, and uh, advancing on those freedoms, either integrated or integrating still ourselves uh, uh, together with the European family of nations. And in the field of sustainable development, I'm... um, prioritizing solidarity in the sense of the rich countries, rich nations, helping the poorer ones, developed countries being um, available for less developed or developing countries with uh, additional resources, resources, adequate financial help, expertise, and all the rest. And if we manage to ensure that we perceive it in such particular way, then we might be hopeful that we would advance. And that should be day one priority of um, uh, the Secretary-General of the United Nations um, because we all come from the executives and uh, we know that if uh, a deadline is uh, far-fetched, like 2030, we can always find new and other priorities on our agendas every day. And if we uh, don't manage to organize ourselves well now, we might as well miss the target. And here I'm talking also about consolidating the existing and building the new partnerships at the global level because the new partnerships from my point of view will necessarily require engaging permanently with the civil society, with the fantastic partners we have uh, around the world in absolutely all areas uh, uh, which constitute the goals uh, uh, and it is uh, poverty eradication education, health services, empowerment of women, (coughs) climate change, uh, uh, absolutely everything. Uh, And the civil society support will be crucial in this sense. And I am also in favor of uh, partnerships uh, with uh, the private sector, because private sector uh, comes with new resources, comes with technology very often, and we will never have enough resources to deliver on the goals. So the more we consolidate the partnerships with them, 
the better. And I'm also in favor of a new sort of partnership with global media too, because global media has to understand and has to help us, uh, be it in the United Nations system or in the national governments, to raise the awareness at the grassroots level with each and every citizen that it is our common objective. And uh, the motto of the whole effort is that no one should be left behind. I hold this principle very dear to my heart because I really think exclusion, lack of tolerance, dividing lines in our societies, old and new, these are never conducive to sustainable peace or to sustainable development, let alone uh, human rights and human dignity, which should be at the center of all our efforts. And international media can, media can greatly help us uh, in uh, uh, this effort. I do prioritize uh, personally goal number 16, if you would then uh, uh, open the agenda and see what it is. Uh, and this is the sustainable institutions, uh, uh, responsible institutions at the service of the citizens of the world, which goes hand in hand with um, rule of law and good governance. Because I personally uh, conducted that uh, intergovernmental dialogue in the last two years when I was the Foreign Minister of the Republic of Moldova, together with uh, other partners. And it culminated in the capital of Moldova, Chisinau, high-level meeting uh, with Chisinau outcome statement, where the result of that activity uh, was um, uh, spelled uh, in terms of concrete proposals and objectives, which then found their place in the articulation of goal number 16. Because I believe without consolidated institutions and without the rule of law, which is relevant for absolutely all member states of the United Nations, we will not advance in the, in the right way on any other goals. And uh, uh, the progress will never be sustainable. This is very important uh, and uh, we need to take this all also and always into account uh, whatever we do. And the third big area will be obviously human rights, the charter and uh, the uh, international law provisions, the Universal Declaration for Human Rights. Uh, these uh, are important uh, documents uh, that, well, basically define the mandate of the Secretary General and uh, the Secretariat uh, um, in terms of uh, thorough monitoring the commitments of the countries in those areas through charter and treaty-based uh, bodies of the UN. But I also see it very much uh, as a task to engage with the member states, with absolutely all partners, and make sure that the relevant expertise is provided and assistance is provided once um, <coughs> the standards um, and norms in the human rights uh, area are not uh, up to the expected uh, commitments reflected in uh, Charter and uh, Declaration. And the Secretary General needs to be a good mediator and engage in frank dialogue uh, with absolutely all parties uh, to make sure that these are understood and these are respected. And uh, uh, obviously that human dignity uh, idea, non-discrimination, tolerance, freedoms, uh, that has to be uh, manifested uh, by the Secretary General herself, himself, by the team working in the Secretariat, and uh, then, of course, you have a moral right to demand it uh, from um, uh, the others. 
And uh, uh, as I said, uh, the responsibility to protect is one of those uh, elements, and it's already in uh, my vision statement. And I also very uh, actively engaged with uh, uh, the wonderful civil society organizations uh, like uh, Amnesty International, for example, and uh, and others like One for Seven Billion and uh, uh, all the rest, who prioritize human rights uh, agenda for the next Secretary General and who address to all of us, the candidates, uh, the joint letter with suggestions to be included um, into the human rights agenda. And I'm very happy to state that in my uh, statement, which which was published by the General Assembly before the hearings in the um, plenary of GA two weeks ago. My, my statement already reflected before the uh, letter was issued on those all those important uh, ideas uh, and uh, proposals for the human rights uh, agenda. Uh, there will be another important area for the next SG uh, growing, in, uh, growing in relevance and urgency and this is humanitarian response, because 120 million people around the world today are in need of humanitarian assistance, and 60 million people are continued um, uh, to be refugees. And uh, I'm absolutely sure that no one leaves their homes <coughs> until they have to. And uh, uh, while putting together our efforts uh, to deal with refugees' crisis, uh, for example, we need to look again into the root causes in each particular situation, be it violent conflict, um, uh, atrocities, uh, genocide, uh, crimes against humanity, or indeed man-made or nature-made disasters, and then be ready with the protection mechanisms, adequate financial resources, uh, uh, and uh, a very clear strategy of what needs to be done at the global, regional, at local levels. And uh, last but not least, um, uh, whenever I talk to the member states, the regional groups uh, received a lot of questions on that issue at the hearings like other candidates. It will be the management of the organization. And that means management of the huge machinery called the Secretariat of the United Nations. And uh, here I think a number of uh, elements uh, have to stay crucial. The Secretary-General does have to lead by example of integrity and professionalism and very relevant experience. And only then you can uh, ask and demand uh, the, the same um, criteria to be manifested by uh, the staff that will be recruited or uh, continues to work in the UN system. Uh, no place for waste, uh, abuse, uh, fraud is possible in the UN uh, Secretariat, in the organization. And the very fair recruitment policy will have to be ensured, whereby meritocracy is the order of the day, professionalism. But at the same time, and I'm absolutely sure we can combine this, the real gender equality, because women are underrepresented in the Secretariat and uh, all the UN agencies, funds and programs, and fair geographical representation. Uh, so this is, uh, I think, I can uh, ensure, because this is how we were also trying to do it in the national uh, um, executive uh, uh, branch in the Republic of Moldova. We've done uh, quite well, but we are still not yet there where we should be. And uh, I think that uh, if the UN Secretarial will lead by example, then of course uh, it will be a very important model for the national member states. 
And I also believe the next Secretary General has to be a good communicator, an articulate and multilingual communicator too, because uh, we need to make sure that each and every citizen of the world understands our mission and feels part of an ownership to that mission. And if we manage to explain and prove it relevant, then all of us will be naturally interested in the success of this mission. And I would particularly focus on the younger generation around the world. I really want UN to be understood and UN to stay relevant in young youth and young people's lives. And uh, because we will step down in a couple of years' time, and we will hand it over to people like you, the, the majority of my audience uh, today, <coughs> and you need to be involved into UN's activity uh, at the central and uh, local level more actively to feel ownership, to learn and to contribute by your brilliant ideas, proposals, uh, uh, for improvement of the way the United Nations functions and delivers using digital platforms, using uh, information technology, using out-of-the-box thinking and making sure that the fresh energy and um, uh, the fresh thinking, fresh ideas are brought through you into absolutely all fields of activities of the United Nations organization. So uh, with that, I would like to stop. I'm looking forward to your questions. And I thank you so very much for your kind attention. Thank you.